<laughs> Did I scare you? listening to did i scare you the podcast that answers the only question that matters in horror film i am your host jake albrecht and i'm his co-host and little brother vid and let's start this off the right way let's say this first of all little brother we're not supposed to peel back the curtain this way you know i don't like it but today for for one day only i'm gonna do it happy birthday hey thanks two months ago oh Anyways, for those of you who listened before, this is the podcast where we two brothers uh, switch off picking horror movies in an attempt to scare the other one. Vinny, I selected the movie this week. What is the name of the movie I selected? You picked Guillermo del Toro's Kronos. Yep. 1993 released Kronos. Uh, picked for the Criterion Collection. This is a movie that I have not seen before. And... I didn't know anything about specifically. I just knew it was called Kronos, and Guillermo del Toro directed it, and certain people liked it. What? Do you know who those certain people were? Nope. Actually, I didn't even remember that. I just was <laughs> like, there were people. They were out there. Like, I couldn't, like, if I had to pick them out of a lineup, I'd guess, like, beards and glasses, but I, it would really just be stereotyping. I I guess so. I mean, it, it fits the criteria, considering that people like me would say, well, you know what? No, I can't get to it. I'm not allowed. You'll know my thoughts by the end. <laughs> I think people could probably, if they've watched the movie, I think they could maybe guess which way you lean on it. But let's <laughs> save it to the end. Let's make it a little fun. Maybe you'll surprise people. Probably won't. Nope. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about, Vinny, before we get into the movie this week? Uh, not much, except for the fact that uh, Ron Perlman is in this movie. Sure. And, uh, a little... Yeah, I said it was directed by Guillermo del Toro. That's a good point. Him and Ron Perlman are, like, good buddies. Yeah. Uh, a little fact. My first name was actually picked from a little show that ron perlman was the main actor in and that is beauty and the beast series that is very true and i would have forgotten to mention that but that is an excellent tidbit yes you are named after ron perlman wearing the minimum amount of makeup (laughs) the beast (laughs) in beauty and the beast we actually texted about this a little bit and i'm still not sure if this is okay to say but Ron Perlman has the most strangely shaped skull I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He's very unique. He is the only one that has this face. And it's like, you could probably pick him out of a group pretty quickly. Like, like Yeah, I think like from a thousand yards, I could spot Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be, if there was like a Where's Waldo, but it's Ron Perlman, it's like, ah, oh, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, no, like the kids would get bored. <laughs> You'd like have to keep like... <laughs> trying to trick them with like David Harbour as Hellboy and they're like that's not him nice try they're like that's the fucking chief from Stranger Things you can't fucking you're not gonna pull that one over on me motherfucker and I'd be like damn these kids swear a lot uh, side note have you actually seen that other Hellboy movie I have not 
I want to get back to the Ron Perlman thing, Vin, because for a long time, I forgot that's why you were named that. So I was at a party once with our mother, and I was telling her about the movie Drive, and I was like, oh, I really love this movie. And she was like, let me see a trailer for it. So we, she pulled it up on her phone, and it was going through. And then she was like, oh, Ron Perlman's in this? And I was like, you know who Ron Perlman is? And then she excitedly squealed, Beauty and the Beast! So the love remains, I guess, is the point I'm saying. So I guess there was a point. I'm I'm just glad that at least she stayed consistent through her life of knowing who Ron Perlman is. So that's nice. You were probably too young to ever actually watch her watching the show. I remember. Oh, really? She was, like, super invested in the show? Yeah, and because, like, I was, like, I was a kid who didn't like scary things when I was little. And uh, Ron Perlman in that show, his face freaked me out. So <laughs> anytime she turned it on, I'd, like, be like, ah, and then, like, run away. That's kind of like me with the X-Files. Baby, he's like sexy ugly. Ew. (laughs) Sexy ugly. Well, I was saying, like, that was like with me with the X-Files. Anytime that that theme song was on, I ran upstairs. That shit wrecked me when I was little. Yeah, I was like, no thanks. Um, All right, well, that, that was my little tidbit. Let's get into the movie. Yeah, all right. I guess we're done talking about our mom wanting to get down with that. With Hellboy. Gross. Um, <laughs> all right, then. Let us tarry no further. Let's get into this movie. All right. We get the title cards, and they're a little different than normal, then because they're an Espanol. Yeah, and I was like, oh, no, Jake, you picked a movie with subtitles. I was also worried about, well, I, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with subtitles. You you enjoyed Audition when we watched it, and it turns out this movie only has, like, some subtitles. Right. But... I think I just wasn't ready for it. I was like, oh, because at least I knew Audition was all subtitles, so I was ready for that. Yeah, when they didn't translate the credits in the beginning, because they don't, they're all in Spanish, I was a little worried that we were just going to get uh, English dubbing <laughs> over Spanish uh, acting, and... That would have yeah, been more like my movie taste. It would have, like, I hate dubbing. It makes me crazy, so... I was a little freaked out, and then when the movie started, I was like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Although, like, it does start with the voiceover, so I was still like, I'm not sure! <laughs> but, uh, anyways, after the title cards, we get a ticking clock and a loud gong sound over the credits, and there's some a slow pan over some old-timey shit, and then we get some voiceover, which I had previously discussed, which says, in 1536, there was an alchemist fleeing the Spanish Inquisition. He went to Mexico. And we see an old-ass guy writing some shit down, which, uh, now that I mention it, we see a lot of in this movie, actually. It's a lot of old men in writing scripts down. It's like, yeah. Guillermo del Toro's got, like, a thing for that. It does seem to be something. I mean, you know, like, yeah, he likes writing. He's a bigger dude. He probably likes sitting. <laughs> Is that a slam because he's fat? It's not a slam. It's just an observation. <laughs> I like sitting. I'm a big dude. It's fine. Who does it? It's America's greatest pastime. Yeah, I believe Mr. Burns called it the great equalizer. Maybe he didn't. I might have been making that up. But uh, anyways, the alchemist, is uh, his job was to make something that granted everlasting life. And he did manage to do it. And he named it the Kronos device. 
So we see him molding something out of metal with his hands covered in cloth so that he can work it as he's letting it cool. And then they cut to 1936, where a building has collapsed. And Vinny, there's a certain victim in this building collapse that's sticking out. Would you like to say who it is? It's that same alchemist from the beginning. Yeah, he looks a little bit different than before, but do you want to say how? Yeah, his skin is completely pale and like like a ghost. Yeah, it looks, I would say, almost like a very, very light blue. He looks like, you know, have you ever seen the movie Omega Man? Yes. Okay, yeah, he looks like those dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say his skin kind of reminds me of uh, Gary Oldman's as Dracula and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's true, too. So the police went to investigate after they found this old-ass man who's uh, dying in the, the collapse. And they found his stuff, but they never told the public what they found. But we get a shot of it. <laughs> and I can see why they might keep some of the details back, because there's a dead girl hanging upside down, naked, and she's dripping a bunch of blood into some bowls. I thought it was funny because they take a short trip to the mansion, and I was like, oh, man, are we going to the Eternal Darkness mansion? You know, because the, she finds her uncle dead, and it's like, all right, now we got to go to the mansion. It's like, what kind of kooky things are we? Oh, and there's a dead body hanging there. Nice. Oh, you thought we were going to get, like, 12 to 15 flashbacks of various other characters? That would have been way cooler. <laughs> Trying to kill three go eternal gods so that one of them, which was uh, lying dormant this whole time, could reign supreme? That's a spoiler alert on Eternal Darkness, you guys. Anyways, uh, all the shit got sold off, but the Kronos device was never written down as part of it. You think that naked body got sold with it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a sad thing to say about that time period, it was the highest selling part. <laughs> it was like some pervert who was like, I, that's the only thing I want, whatever it costs. <laughs> they were like, we were actually just going to toss that in the trash, but... So we're, All right. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick cut to Uncut Gems where they're in the auction area they're trying to bid on the naked body. It's... Or they, like, the body was only there to show like how strong the things were that were holding her. Like the chains. They're like, check this out. Like a whole body. Wow. It drips all of her blood. And they're like, mm, I'd rather have the body though. <laughs> Like, really? It's just kind of trash now. It's an empty husk. There's no blood in it. Like, yeah, there's things you can get up to with that. I don't want to talk. I won't spoil the surprise. <laughs> but anyways, we get a close-up of some busted-ass creepy angel statue. And title. Now we get some upbeat music over the Mexican streets with uh, a lot of hustle and bustle. Some guy's pushing a toilet down the street on a dolly. And he, he's not important. That's just like, I mean, what's his story? What's going on there? He's, get, he's fixing his toilet, I guess, getting a new one. I'm just, I've never seen someone push a toilet down the street. You skipped over a title card. No, I said title. Oh, why? What did it say? Oh, one of them said Merry Christmas. Oh, it is. I, I missed that completely, but it does explain why all the Christmas shit happens later. Right, and then I thought that it was because I saw Merry Christmas, and I'm like, I'm surprised that it didn't say Feliz Navidad. Well, I mean, you said it, though, so at least someone got it in. Yes, perfect. So we see an old couple having breakfast with a young girl, 
The old man dabs the young girl's face. The lady tells her to sit up straight. And it's pretty clear right away that the girl likes the uh, the man better than the woman. And we see the old man and the girl taking a tarp off his car. And he takes her to his shop, which is uh, some type of antique shop, essentially. They open up the shop, and the old man's picking up the mail off the floor that had been slipped under the door. And he gives the mail to the girl, and he's like, hey, sort this shit out. <laughs> and then we cut to the two of them playing hopscotch. <laughs> With the imprint chalked on their, uh, because it's a stone floor in this antique store. It's pretty cool. Now, Jake, where would you say this is located? It's in Mexico. Is it Mexico? Okay. Well, I'm going to have to take some uh, some edits out of uh, my notes here. It's very clearly Mexico. What you, where did you think it was? I thought it was Italy, like Italiana. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know, the, just the, the gentleman. Just like all the street signs and stuff were in Spanish. Everyone speaks Spanish. Everyone has Spanish names. I'm curious, because they said that the guy went to Mexico in the beginning. Oh. Where you took the hard left turn and said, Italy <laughs> it is. You're like, Mexico was just a fake to trick them so they couldn't find him. He's in Rome for sure, I can tell. I guess I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> I feel like you heard some vaguely Mediterranean-type music. I did <laughs> in the beginning. Like, but that's like... There's a lot of accordions and pianos. It was it was like Mexican music. <laughs> it sounded Italian to me. Obviously, you're, you don't have much of an ear for that. I want to berate you about this for the next hour, but we should probably move on. <laughs> You can wait till the end. How much of your notes say stuff about Italy? You'll see. That's wild. <laughs> uh, so a young guy comes into the shop looking very suspicious. And the old guy kind of low-key follows him. In a way that reminded me of working in retail when you think there's going to be a shoplifter. Yeah, he, do- he does kind of follow him around like all shifty-like. Yeah, he asks the guy if he can help because you always want to talk to them so they know you're there. That's one of the tricks they teach you. And the guy is sort of cagey in his response. The old guy keeps following him around pretending to clean. And the young guy tears a piece of paper off of a statue. And then he kind of scurries off when the old guy looks at him. And then the old guy goes to look at it. And he sees uh, the busted-ass angel statue we saw before with one eye missing. And later he's doing a puzzle with the girl. And he has the statue kind of sitting next to them. And some old-ass beetles crawl out of the statue. Roaches. About a half a dozen of them. I thought they were scarabs. No, they were roaches. I think you're wrong. But I'm pretty I, fucking I, sure they were roaches. Yeah, I think Wikipedia disagrees with you based on how it describes this movie, but that's fine. Anyways, so he's doing a puzzle with the girl, and the beetles crawl out. The old guy is giving instructions on how to sort the pieces. When one of the bugs crawls out from underneath it, and the girl kills them. And then the old guy immediately victim blames her and says, if you provoke them, it makes it worse. It's like, man, one of the two of you dealt with this beetle problem. Or roaches, but it was definitely beetles. <laughs> roaches. It, yeah, no, they were definitely not Italian roaches. <laughs> There's a difference between Mexican and Italian roaches. 
Yeah, then he was like, one of them came out and I was like, Bobby the Boo, are you turning <laughs> the lights on and I'm gonna scatter? I could have sworn I saw one of those roaches towing a pizza around when he came out of the fucking statue. That's just what that's what every scarab does. That's the problem there. <laughs> so the guy's checking out the statue closer and he notices the bottom's hollow. So he sort of works the top part of it out off to uh, find out what's inside. We get some scary music as he reaches in. Finds a very old piece of cloth. And it's covering a golden, and I want to stress this, thing? It's like, I don't even know what you call it. Kind of an artifact? I call it like an amulet. Ah, I mean like an amulet you wear around your neck, though. Like, this is just kind of like a round thing. Uh, I don't know. Treasure hunters of the world who listen to this podcast, email us in and tell us what you think it is. Yeah, you might as well. Just just drop us a line. So we cut to the shifty guy who's outside with another guy on the phone, both looking suspicious. And the guy on the phone calls Ron Perlman, who will be referred to as Ron Perlman. And he's wearing a business suit. The guy on the phone tells Perlman about the statue. And Perlman's like, okay, I'll tell him. So I guess we're about to find out who him is. So he's walking through a giant factory. With uh, the guys working on stuff, sending sparks everywhere, which is uh, movie language's favorite way to tell you that work is going on in a factory. Yeah, Ron Perlman freaks out a little bit when a little bit of the the spark hits him in his uh, suit. Yeah, because he has very expensive-looking suits. He seems, like, extremely vain. So More ways than one. (laughs) We'll get to that. So he rides up an elevator uh, carrying a folder. And he goes into a sort of pristine metal room. There's a tray of food waiting out there. He sends it through a slit in the wall and puts on a mask and gloves to enter a secure room. Yeah. Ain't it kind of sad that this is basically our reality these days? That did strike me a little bit when he put the stuff on where I was like, this is the thing that in 1993 people would be like, wow, guess who's being overprotective? Now I'm like, wow, guess who's going to the grocery store? (laughs) <laughs> or you know rather taking care of your in-law without passing asymptomatic uh you know shit over to them yeah <laughs> woof i've been like i dropped over grandma's house and well she's got a week <laughs> whoops <laughs> anyways so he go he gets buzzed in and carts the food over looking for someone the room is covered in statues and x-rays both of them hanging all over the room the statue's all covered in plastic, and this looks cool as fuck because it's Guillermo del Toro, and he knows how to dress a scene. Yeah. So he brings the food and a new draft of the uh, will to this guy, who we find out later is his uncle, but I'll just tell you now. Why not? So he brings uh, the food and the will to his uncle, and his uncle has a cane and gloves on as well. And... His uncle signs the new will and asks about the buyer. Apparently, he's like a sick-ass old guy, and he's always looking for an archangel. Ron Perlman's pretty much tired of picking up this garbage, because he's like, look at all these pieces of shit hanging around this room. So he's like, I'm not going to pick up another one. The sick guy has has an old-ass paper with a picture of the Kronos device on it, and uh, he tells Perlman he's going to do what the fuck he tells him to do. 
And I guess because Perlman's waiting on this will, he's going to have to. Yeah, he's sitting on it. Not only that, but then Perlman lifted up his mask and I freaked out a little bit. <laughs> this is inadvertently the scariest part of this movie. It really was. It's like, no, you're screwed. Like, I don't know if you've been socially distancing. Now you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days. <laughs> so Perlman's in the antique shop in the next scene. And he's looking at the statue. He says it's pricey. The shopkeep says it's unique. And Perlman laughs because he knows that he has a room at home with like about two dozen of these fuckers. And then he walks around the shop whistling, we wish you a Merry Christmas to himself, as the old guy wraps up the statue. Vinny, do you think this is the weirdest Christmas movie ever? Yeah, I mean, like, can can we start a new thing now where it's a tired, it's a tired note now about, oh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. How about sure. me and you start the whole, well, Kronos is a Christmas movie. I think we might be the only ones on that boat to start with. It's it's a Christmas movie and a New Year's movie, too. Yeah, I almost think that, you know how you always make the uh, the images for each episode? You should get Ron Perlman in a Santa hat next to the Kronos device. We're a month early on this. <laughs> Actually, a couple months. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Ron Perlman in a Santa hat next to Jack Skellington? <laughs> Who could tell the difference? I I could. <laughs> it's that Jack Skeleton has a very very round skull. I don't want to. Let's not get into it. So you're saying if you peeled off, if you peeled off Ron Perlman's face. Let's not, because I don't know what would be underneath, and I don't want to find out. <laughs> so Perlman does a little bit where he's messing with the little girl before giving her a piece of gum, and then he's like, "Hey." Can I ask you guys your opinion on something? And the old guy and the girl are like, yeah, whatever. We don't have anything else to do today. So he takes out a bunch of swatches with different styles of noses on them. And then he holds them up to his face. And they sort of give their opinions on which one they think is the best for it. And he thanks them because he agrees on their choice. Then he snags the statue. But the old guy kept the gold thing from the inside. He's polishing it after Perlman leaves. And it's got some gears on it. So he winds him back and sets it in motion. And he's going to live to regret that. (laughs) Nothing happens at first. And then some legs sprout out. So that resembles a scarab. Which is the types of beetles that were inside of it. I'm pretty sure it was a roach. Okay. It's the reason why it looks like... You know what? Fuck it. Whatever. It's an Italian roach, Jake. Come on. It's for sure a scarab. But whatever. So... Nothing happens at first, and then the legs sprout out, and then the legs go in, and he's like, that's hilarious. And then they spring back out like spikes into his hands. <laughs> so he tears it out of his hand, leaving a giant wound and a big blood spot on the Kronos. And he tells the little girl to stay away from it as the legs go back into the body. And then he tells the girl to get him a box, and he makes no move to patch up his hand, which I think is insane. Well, I mean, like... As this scene carries on to the next one, he he does really nothing to patch his hand up, so... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, we cut to the old lady teaching another uh, other old people how to dance. And it seems like it's kind of a tango class. And she seems a little too close with her partner, which is an opinion her husband shares. 
because he looks sadly at them from the doorway with his busted hand all wrapped in gauze. How could my wife love me with a jacked up hand? So, in the next scene, the old lady is cleaning his cut and asking him where he fell down. Because that appears to be his cover story. So, but she found something under his skin, which she digs out. And it's a piece of metal, and that's pretty grody when she digs it out of there. Yeah, now he's got to worry about tedness. Yeah, and she's like, or it's a stinger, fuck if I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, from those Italian roaches. Now, we cut to later that night where the old guy's digging through the fridge while smoking a cigarette. <laughs> which is quite an image. So he is that, found some is that something you... Is that something I would do? No. Back in the day, just smoking a cigarette while taking single package cheese. (laughs) I don't think that would be good for the cigarette or the cheese. I think that would be badly informing both tastes. But uh, he pounds some water right from the container because he's very thirsty. And he sees a pie in there, but it kind of looks like blood. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Could you tell what was happening with that? I, I, I don't know. I felt like the scene was kind of in and out for that. It's like, or he sees meat in there and it looks like a pie, but man, I don't know. It looks like, it looks like fish. I don't know. It was just like some meat on the plate. I was just like, it looked like raw meat, but in the shape of a pie. I didn't think it looked like a pie at all. I just thought okay. it was just meat all on right. a plate. You know what, Finn? Maybe I just wanted pie. I guess you were just hungry for pie at that moment, for some blood pie. Well, there's always time to get some later. So, he opens up a window while itching his body, and then he digs under the couch. Oh, no, he digs into a a, a different container for some scissors. Yeah. It's cutting the gauze off to itch at it, and he's biting at it, trying to get it off. I know what that's like. Sometimes, if I got, like, an itch on my hand, I bite it like a fucking dog, just... You should maybe try some topical cream, which I also had to do for my dog this week because he was biting his body much. I can lend it to you. It's got, like, Benadryl. We'll we'll talk about it afterwards. All right. Uh, He's not successful, so he falls back panting on the floor. Then he grabs the Kronos box from under his couch. In another room, the little girl is doodling by nightlight in her bed. And then we cut back to the guy, the old guy, and he has his bandage off now. He's getting ready to wind up the Kronos again. Because for some reason, he's like, this will fix it. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, okay, so I'm I'm erratically itching, and I can't stop. I'm going to mutilate my body just a little bit more with this thing. That'll take the itch away. Now, I think what we are supposed to gather from this is that, you know, the Kronos does certain things when it completes its thing, but because he tore it out of his hand... And she got the stinger out of there. It's not completed, but his hand's, like, infected. So it's sort of like, I gotta complete the cycle, or I gotta chop this hand off. And, I mean, he's gonna wish he chopped the hand off. But He prays while it's going, while he has the gears going, and then he lets it dig into his hand again. And he watches up close as the fucker digs in. Yeah. And then we get a close-up of the gurs. The gears, I should say, the gears whirring and pushing, and there's something gross and weird crawling inside with the gears. 
He falls back with his shirt open now, relieved on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, he's like... He's, he's like, oh, yeah. That's the good there stuff. There it is. Yeah, that hit the spot. Wow, so, you know, that's another thing that Guillermo del Toro enjoys is uh, fucking gears and machinery. Are you specifically saying because there are so many in the Hellboy series? Yeah, I'm seeing similarities, for sure. And I think Pan's Labyrinth had a lot of gears, too. I feel like, now that I'm thinking about it, Crimson Peak might have had them as well. What about, uh, well, he didn't make Shape of Water, but he had a, a part. No, he did Shape of Water. He directed it. So is there any gears in that movie? No. Just a lady fucking a fish guy. <laughs> oh. Well, we want nothing. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, man, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, like, not the actual act, like their love. I imagine watching it would be gross. But <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> we're cutting off the scene here because the machine whirs and then pulls the uh, legs out of him while the girl watches from upstairs. And he's like, hey, baby, it's okay. Grandpa's just got an unholy obsession with this machine. Yeah, don't worry about this state in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> then we fade to black. The next day, the old guy is looking at himself in the mirror. Practicing saying hello. Yes. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Yep. Now he notices some slight changes to his face because he looks slightly younger. He shaves his mustache off. And then he goes into the, the room with the old lady and she looks at him awestruck like, damn, mama like. <laughs> Fuck that old dude I was dancing with. I'm going to keep you. Yeah, so she's, like, practically humping the table over it when she's like, you look younger. Mm. <laughs> the guy's like, I don't want breakfast, I'm not hungry, which is a bad sign. And then he runs off to the shop. He finds that the lock is broken when he gets there, that the whole place has been ransacked, and his shit is dumped everywhere. So he goes behind his desk and pulls out a stool because, fuck, this work is going to suck. <laughs> And he finds Ron Perlman's card on the table, and on the back of it, it's hastily scrawled, we're open all night. So, the old guy casually breaks another piece of glass, because why not at this point? Yeah, it's like at this point, it's just like everybody else had their fucking fun, so I might as well break something too. He's actually just a trendsetter, he's like, this is going to be one of those break rooms now. When I get everything back up and running, I'm just going to keep this room the same, you know, just for aesthetic be like deliberately marketed to like girls who just broke up with frustrating boyfriends but anyway that's a market ready to be fucking bought into (laughs) (laughs) do we have any investors i mean we'll have to ask around (laughs) it's definitely a motivated buyer uh (laughs) so he walks down to the factory and while he's looking around perlman sees him and greets him warmly the old guy's pissed, but Perlman's like, ah, let me take you the boss. So the old guy's in the weird-ass room, and the sick guy tosses the head of the statue at him, and then he takes an old book out. He says, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. He says, the book is written in Latin backwards. And then he says, it describes a machine that prolongs life, but it has very strict rules. And also, there's a bug inside the machine, which he seems very excited about. Yeah. The old guy's like, a bug? The sick dude's like, that's why this machine rules. The bug is alive. 
like a filter. And I'm like, are most filters alive? And are most filters fucking operated by bugs? Yeah, I want to imagine that this guy, like, all the machines in his place are have bugs inside. And they're like, but what do they do? And he's like, they make them run. <laughs> and he's like, but how? I don't know. <laughs> he's like, look, that's my coffee machine with the Black Widow spider. Don't change the filter out. She'll get angry. <laughs> that one's actually why a couple of things had to get sliced off me. I'll show you in a second. <laughs> He you know, like, go ahead. He goes like he goes into this tyrant about like fucking insects and how much he loves them. And he's like, they're God's favorite creatures. And I'm like, fuck that. They're not mine. Well, he says, who are we to say they're not God's favorite creatures? And he takes that a little bit further by saying the bugs hide in the rocks all summer. Huh? And Jesus was behind a rock before he was resurrected. The defense rests, Your Honor. No further witnesses. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to you. Um. <laughs> it's a stretch. It's a stretch for sure. <laughs> the old guy's tired of hearing talking about bugs, so he's like, let's get to the point. So <laughs> the sick guy's like, hey, come here, take a look at this. He takes him over to take, and he's like, Take a look at all this shit in here. These are all body parts that had to be cut out of me. I'm not doing so great. The sick guy, while dazzling the old guy with his cut-up body, makes a grab for the box. (laughs) The old guy's like, no, that's mine! And then he grabs at him with his bandaged hand. The sick guy's like, fuck you, you used it already? I like that he was trying to trick me, like, that's my pancreas, that's my liver, and I'm just going to grab the box. Yeah, Vinny, we like to talk about schemes on this podcast. (laughs) How do you make the scheme to distract an old guy with your cut-up organs in order to steal his stuff? I just wonder how many times he's tried doing that with all the other people he's bought those statues from. I feel like it's probably the first time it didn't work, so he's like, we gotta cut out another organ. He's up to like four times of it not working. And this is the first time he's not going to have to cut out more organs. He's like, thank God, I already gave up my second kidney. I'm really going to fucking go down soon. (laughs) He's like, time has not been kind to me. (laughs) And also, I have not been kind to myself. I got to stop cutting these things out. (laughs) And the old guy's like, well, it was an accident when I used it. The sick guy immediately calls for Ron Perlman to take his ass out of there. So Ron Perlman tosses the shoes at the old guy and starts taking out some shit to clean up. The old guy's like, hey, we both got something to lose, which seems important thematically later, but I'm like, what? (laughs) And Perlman's like, hey, you finally got your whatever that thing is. (laughs) So the sick guy goes to open up the box, but uh uh-oh, there's only the broken lock from the store in there. So it looks like he's not the only one with the scheme. Not exactly. The, I mean, they were fooled pretty, like, I mean, come on. Yeah, no, listen, this isn't exactly like two dazzling intellects going head-to-head here. Just two old codgers that are like, I'm going to just try to sneak that box when he's not looking. And the other old guy's like, I'm just going to put this lock in here and think I tricked him. Like, did he really think that that was going to keep this dude at bay? 
Yeah, they pretty much have the cunning of like an average uh, ten-year-old. <laughs> be like, I'll give them one box, but it won't be in there. And then that's it. I don't have to deal with them ever again. And you know how ten-year-olds are always distracting you by showing you their organs. <laughs> but anyways. The old guy goes home and tries to pull the device out from under the couch, but it's missing. He's like, oh, fuck, the little girl took it. So he immediately runs to the roof, and he goes into, like, sort of a private room up there. And he calls for the little girl, saying he knows that she has it. There's no answer at first. Then he goes through digging through a chest full of toys, and he spies the little girl's feet sticking out from behind some curtains. <laughs> he sits down on a child's chair, and he asks her if she's scared. He pretends to pour some tea. Then he launches into a story about her father and how when he was a kid, her father had heard a story about lung cancer and when the old guy got home, his cigarettes had been flushed down the toilet. <laughs> and then he was super pissed. Pretty much. His story <laughs> amounts to, but I didn't quit smoking, so I guess... Yeah. <laughs> give me that box. <laughs> it's like your father learned an important lesson that day. I'm never going to stop, now give me... <laughs> Your father learned a real quick lesson that day. A couple hands across the face and flushing his father's cigarettes down the toilet. But that's actually why he's not here anymore. <laughs> Don't flush my cigarettes down the toilet. Give Grandpa his fucking beetle back. Grandpa needs that, that stinger in his hand pretty much right now, so let's do this. That's the third thing that Guillermo del Toro enjoys, too. Is that his little granddaughter is like super silent, and Guillermo del Toro loves little girls who are kind of quiet. Yeah, she doesn't talk much. Yeah. I, I feel like she gets like one line this whole movie. In fact, yeah, it's the same thing, kind of like Pan's Labyrinth. I, I don't remember that specifically, but I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in like fourteen years. She's a pretty meek little girl. Uh, as I recall, she's going through a lot. Yeah. A war and a fucking labyrinth with monsters. I mean, that's a double whammy, as we call it in the biz. <laughs> so, anyways, the girl comes out and she takes out her teddy bear because she hid the Kronos inside of it. And you should have flushed that girl. <laughs> anyways, he's back and he's taking it in the chest in the next scene, which is like, oh my god, we jumped up a notch already. To fucking turn this game on its head. As a thing too, the old dude that took his like organs out was telling him he's just like, Oh, guess you're gonna have to play the game without the rules. And it's like, what's the game? How much can I mutilate myself for eternal life? Like how much can I fucking take until I fucking, you know, achieve this? Some BDSM shit. Yeah. I guess the old guy has a real cavalier attitude towards fucking with some old-ass thing that he doesn't understand. And I've seen enough of these movies that I'm like, oh, no, I wouldn't fuck with that. Yeah, no, I see some mysterious object like that. I'm going to flush it down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Grandpa's got to go cold turkey. <laughs> but anyways, as he's taking in the chest, he licks his lips and closes his eyes like a fucking junkie getting high. <laughs> the old lady is knocking on the door while this is happening. The old guy looks at the machine like, Hey, little bug, where are you at? How you doing? Are you a god? <laughs> the gears stop going as he talks to it, and he tosses it back in the bear. 
<laughs> he runs the faucet and checks out all the holes in his chest. He knows there's like a sort of sticky residue in there, but the wounds heal quickly. In a few moments, he's able to just kind of wipe the blood away. And these are like deep holes initially. So. Yeah, he was being gouged by this fucking thing. Yeah, that's not a good place to put it in the chest, I think. But anyways, we cut to some party where a bunch of people are clapping. The old guy and the old lady are dressed nice. She asks him if he remembers. Then he starts singing a song to her. So then we're going to get a boring story about when they met. So, but she's super into it because he looks younger. And then she's remembering so she kisses him. Yeah, you and the used to tone me down so good. That is what her face says, yes. <laughs> little girl's watching, like, weird, which, like, yeah, it would be to watch your grandparents make out. Yeah. Kind of like that What fu- that wrinkle commercial. You what? know what? Nope. There's a commercial that was on TV where, like, these grandparents were fucking, like, fucking with something in the closet and their grandkid comes by. And he thinks they were fucking in the closet because their shirts were wrinkled. I'm afraid that that one escaped my notice. Oh, my God. And it's real. Also, you probably wrote it in your head right now. No, it's real. <laughs> or based on some sort of horrifying dream. But anyway, I'm telling you, it's real. We cut later to dinner and some guy's stacking uh, shit with forks. The guy who the old lady was dancing with it earlier in the movie Tries to get her attention, but she's like, fuck off, my man good now. <laughs> and the guy has a nosebleed, and the old guy springs up rubbing his lips. Yes. And he's like, I need a drink, and then heads off after the guy. Is that that point where I'm like, oh, fuck, did that Kronos thing turn him into a vampire? Or something, right? Yeah. And this must be a New Year's Eve party, because some guy upstairs is dressed like a clock. And the old guy follows the nosebleed guy into the bathroom and watches him hungrily as he wipes away all that sweet, <laughs> sweet blood. And he's, like, waiting outside this sink, just kind of, like, licking his chops and waiting for him to get out of the stall. He's like, I can't wait to sop up that fucking blood. Yeah, and the guy's like, oh, it's hot. Happens every time. And, of course, it's hot because this is New Year's Eve in Mexico, not in Italy. <laughs> Vinny. Do you think that, like, what are you saying? That that, that doesn't get fucking, like, I'm pretty sure that it gets hot in fucking Italy during Christmas time. Okay. Well, we'll see. The old guy waits for him to leave and then starts playing with the blood on the sink like it's a line of coke. Then some guy (laughs) storms out of a stall with his pants down, which is like, whoa, you're coming (laughs) in hot, bro. (laughs) He's like, what a great party. Then he comes and cleans up the blood and leaves. <laughs> he gets pissed guy, off. He's like, "He's fucking blood all over here. This is gross. He's like, I'm tired of people bleeding over these sinks all the time. Goddamn so, coke noses. The old guy sees one dab on the floor, and he lowers himself to it slowly, and then he licks it. And this is gross on two levels now, because, hey, don't drink blood, and also, don't eat off the bathroom floor. He's looking it up like a fucking dog. It's like, oh, Jesus. He's like a cat because he's kind of dabbing it with his tongue. A dog is sort of haphazard. It just sort of laps it up like crazily. But a cat is always like. (laughs) And that's like kind of that's more his his energy on this, I'd say. I'd agree. Okay. And then we hear some steps, which he does not hear because he's too into the blood. 
Then someone comes over and kicks him in the head and starts dragging his body. Back at the party, everyone's living it up with the old lady and the girl. We're wondering where the old guy is. In a car somewhere, Ron Perlman's listening to the radio with the passed out old guy in the passenger seat. Then Perlman takes out a bottle and he pours some into the old guy's mouth too after he drinks, which causes the old guy to sputter and wake up. The old guy's like, oh, fuck, it's you. <laughs> then Perlman <laughs> starts roughing him up outside the car, saying, just tell me where the thing is so my uncle leaves me alone, essentially. <laughs> I am basically my uncle's slave. Please let him just take this stupid fucking thing. They're like, I want to do this. I want to do any of this. I'm just waiting for that asshole to die. I'm just... I think that Ron Perlman is just waiting for his uncle to die so he can go to Hollywood. Just like that fucking uh, fake Native American guy in Creepshow 2. Yeah, I guess both of them are having dreams about that hair being in between women's legs. So See their hair or nose, you know. I could yes and, but I shall not in this case. And I'm not going to say any who, but you I will did. go back. No, no, no. I won't say it. Anywho. Uh... Oh, that's two shots. Perlman asked the old guy what the uh, what the device is, and the old guy's like, that asshole never told you? And the old guy's like, he thinks it'll help him live longer, which Perlman finds hilarious, because he collapses against the old guy laughing, saying, that fucker does nothing but piss and shit all day, and he wants to live longer? <laughs> that was my mindset, too. It's like, it's true, man. Like, it's all about the quality of life. But uh, he's back to business, hammering away at the old guy's face. And he knocks his ass out. Then Perlman yells at him to get up, but he doesn't respond. Then Perlman's like, ah, fuck, he's dead, I guess. So he just puts him back in the car. <laughs> and starts pushing the car towards the cliff. And the car gets stuck on the cliff's lip, and Perlman's like, fuck! Yeah, you ever, <laughs> you ever get stuck in, like, in the middle of something, and, like, it gets jammed, and you, there's nobody, like, around you to help you? And you have that kind of fucking moment. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. But he's going to try to get through it. So he starts limbering up. Then he gets in a three-point stance. Then he runs at the car. And as he slams into it, the old guy wakes up. But, uh (laughs) uh-oh, the car tumbles over the edge of the cliff. And Perlman admires his work and then finishes his bottle as the car plummets down (laughs) to presumably the old guy's death. But we'll see. (laughs) And then he tosses the bottle down after the car and leaves. The old guy is muttering all about blood in his voiceover. But he's like, but the blood is mine and I'm dying. (laughs) It's all very confusing and kind of not that interesting, to be honest. And then we can hear some sirens coming as he lays there. He thinks of his grandfather. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know either. Oh, the granddaughter, I should say. Oh, we cut (laughs) to her in bed. And she senses something. <laughs> oh, that makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. She gets out of bed and then she gets her slippers on. And then in the next scene, we see the old guy on a table as someone stitches up his face. It's a mortician. And this looks kind of like a real fly by night operation. <laughs> yeah. He like staples his head and slaps like a band aid on his head. And he's like doing like makeup and whatnot. I'm like, it's actually more common in mortician shit than you would think. Is it really? Yeah, they're doing, like, whatever they can to just keep that shit together, and then they just kind of, like, plaster over it. That's horrifying. It's some fucked up shit. Also, if you embalm someone, you have to do it at a point where 
it's possible for them to legally come back from the dead. What? Yeah. Don't embalm anyone ever. I'm scared because it's just like, I don't want to show up to anybody's fucking wake. And then suddenly you hear a knock and it's like, I'm out. I'm out of here. Once you embalm them, they'll die for sure. It's just a matter of like, that could be an extremely painful way to go. To have all your blood drained out and replaced by a horrifying liquid. Oh. But anyway, uh, he staples the old guy's face together. And uh, I should say the mortician's like a guy with some mutton chops. And he's wearing a tank top with some guy in a red suit watching him. And he's stapling the old guy's face together and he gets some putty for it. And the red suit guy is impressed with the work of the mortician. He's like, that forehead looks good. And the greasy mortician's like, well, I'm an artist. Then the red suit's guy like... Yeah, but we don't usually try this hard before a cremation. And the mortician's like, what? What a waste of my talents. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty pissed off. He's like, it's just going to go in the fucking fire anyway. Jesus. So we cut to Ron Perlman listening to a tape about plastic surgery. And he gets buzzed by his uncle. And he answers nice on the walkie-talkie, but <laughs> yells, fuck. And calls him a cocksucker once he comes off of it. I, I love Ron Perlman. <laughs> I watched this scene and I was fucking dying. He's <laughs> fucking great in this movie. I love Rob Perlman in this. But anyways, he heads into the factory. The sick guy calls him a moron. And then whacks him with his cane, hard enough to draw blood. And the sick guy's like, hey, did you check his heart when you thought he was dead? And Perlman's like, who cares? He's dead, man. <laughs> and the sick guy's like, you're a fucking moron. It makes all the difference in the world. Perlman's more about, like, how could someone be dead and alive at the same time? I don't get it. And the sick guy's like, you gotta clean this up, because I'm gonna be getting me mine. I want that grown <laughs> The next scene, Perlman's, uh, he got his nose job because he's at the funeral for the old guy, but he has the tape over his nose. No, he doesn't have a nose job yet. He got fucking hit in the nose by his uncle with the cane. He broke his nose. Well, can I suggest to you this alternate take then, Vin? In a way, he got a nose job anyways. <laughs> that's true. Well, it's the irony because... He, and... <laughs> well, it's the irony because he keeps getting his nose fucked up in this movie. So it's pretty funny. So it's just like, well, the more and more that he passes this movie, the less and less he gets close to that nose job. Mayhaps, mayhaps. So he's chewing on a piece of gum and he goes up to the body and he puts something in the pocket of the old guy in the casket and he looks around to see if anyone's looking. Then he holds his finger over his nose to see if he's pretending to be dead. <laughs> the guy doesn't move, so he's, like, satisfied. He just kind of shrugs, like, all right. Fuck, seems fucking dead. By the way, he put a candy bar. No, 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 no. Um, the, the wrapper from his gum into his pocket. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's some good heel work. I'm, but <laughs> I'm here on cleanup duty. <laughs> Picking That's up that he... shit that you miss. Yeah, no, there's got to be a guy trailing who hits the goal after you shoot it off the goalie. <laughs> so the greasy mortician is alone with the body in the next scene. He's scrubbing him up, asking him if it was a lively wake. And then he wipes all the lipstick off of uh, his face that comes from all the sad ladies there. <laughs> Just like, damn, that's a good touch. <laughs> then he's getting the cremation machine ready, lighting it up with the blowtorch. But then it kind of goes off. So he whacks it, and the flame goes out. And he heads downstairs to check on the gas in the machine. And he seems to make some sort of adjustment to a valve. 
Yeah. Then he goes back upstairs, ready to cremate. You hear so- like some hissing and cranking, and I was just like trying to guess what would probably happen next. I was like, is the place gonna go boom now? I was like, ah, that's not usually a good sign you want to hear when you engage like fucking gas on like something. I thought he was gonna go upstairs and the guy would be gone, like the body would be gone. That would have been a good thing. Well, I mean, yeah, it is gone. Oh, good. You're going to be able to explain to me what happens here because I don't get it. Yeah, he walks upstairs and he goes back to the casket. and he, Well, first he lights the, the fucking oven and then the, the casket's open. So then he doesn't. Oh, that makes more sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, oh, man, because the old guy's walking around in the next scene. And I'm like, I don't know how we got there. <laughs> it's like a lot of this isn't making much sense to me. I'm very confused. It's like they missed the cut or something. <laughs> or maybe, probably I did just typing something. But I think it's, right. <laughs> I smash, just smash cut to him outside where it's just like, wait, <laughs> is this cremation scene like a deleted scene? What happened? <laughs> I, I listen. All right, we'll get to it. Let's. We got a little more business to clean up here. Then we'll get outside, and I will tell you exactly what I thought. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So the mortician takes a banana out and has a seat as the, uh, the as he's waiting for the body to burn. He thinks, and Ron Perlman is being led downstairs by the funeral director. The funeral director's like, he wants to see the body one last time. The mortician's like, yeah. You like a medium or well done? And he points at the flame. <laughs> That's good. That's a good line. And Perlman looks at it and smiles because he's like, he's got to be gone now. Come hey, on. He's totally dead now. But we see the old man outside somewhere with flames pulling glass out of his feet. And I wrote, I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> <laughs> he's wandering around going through some garbage cans as the wind hollows. And Vinny, I honest to God, was like, wait. <laughs> Wait, did they try to burn the body and then it didn't and then he just left? <laughs> I was like, or is he in some sort of like in-between purgatory thing and then he just comes back? I think it would have been funnier if he did catch fire and still strolled out of there and he's all burnt and charred now. <laughs> he was just walking around like fucking Ghost Rider with his head on fire. <laughs> and Rob right. Perlman looks up at him and he's like, yeah, he'll die in, like, a few. Give him a few more minutes. All right. I'm glad that you noticed that he just slipped out of that box, though, because that actually makes a lot more sense. That explains the noise that the uh, mortician heard downstairs, too, because I wrote a note for it, but I was like, it doesn't seem to pertain to anything. But, yeah, no, obviously he slipped it out of the box. Okay. All right. I'm happy with this. I'm satisfied. Good. So the old guy's digging through the trash, and he pulls out a newspaper which has his obituary in it. And unlike the Lodge, this one's legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one's fucking with him. So we cut to his wife looking sad at the paper as she cuts the obituary out. The phone rings. She stares into the distance, you know, kind of doing the widow thing. Right. And then finally she picks it up, and it's the old guy on the other line. He's on a payphone. He says her name, but she just hangs up on him. Yeah. The little girl was surreptitiously on the line as well. So he slams the phone down in anger a couple of times, and then he wanders home under a cloak, all busted up. The little girl lets him in a t- with a towel in hand, and he snuggles against it, kind of like a weirdo. 
It's like this movie should be renamed now to My Undead Grandpa or or Grandpa's the Vampire. Kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> they're upstairs on the roof and she's getting a bunch of toys out of her chest. He's ready for another go-around with the Kronos to try to fix his busted-ass body, because he is fucked up now. Yeah, is it? I was confused. Did his head get completely turned around in his body, or is his, like, fucking, like... His his suit that he's wearing is backwards. You must be absolutely right, and that is not a detail I picked up on. That is awesome. Yeah, I was like, why is his... You did. You... <laughs> You complained to me so much, but you obviously paid so much better attention to this movie than I did. I just, I was baffled. I was like, his hands are on the right side, so his suit can't be backwards. But then again, it, I, I don't know. It baffled me. I could not understand it for the life of me because his hands weren't backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing further to add to that. That's so. fine. That's fine. Uh, the girl watches as he has the Kronos on again, on his busted body. And she's looking at him sort of like, again, with the Kronos. <laughs> so, he lets it go through its whole cycle. And then a bit of sunlight comes through the roof. And, uh-oh, it hurts him now. So, he even, in fact, starts smoking from it. So, that's not good news. Grandpa's a vampire, Grandpa's a vampire. That's the new yep. theme song for the movie. And uh, to complete the image, the girl closes him in her, her toy chest like it's a low-rent coffin. Yeah. It's pretty cute. And then we cut to the old guy writing a letter to his wife. And he's like, dearly beloved, I'm an unholy ghoul. How have you been? <laughs> he he writes this note in a permanent marker. And he keeps dabbing the permanent marker in his, like, his tongue. So his tongue's blue from the permanent marker. Jake... And that this... might not be true because all of his body is rotting. It could be he just has a rotting tongue. No, it's permanent marker, and he keeps dabbing his tongue with it. Yeah, he's got to keep it wet. Um, this is this is where I literally wrote, "Why not a pencil or a pen?" Jake, they can't be serious to tell me that there's no pens or pencils in Italy, and I literally wrote that. No, Vinny. <laughs> They're not telling you that. <laughs> but also, I want to stress, there are also pens and pencils in Mexico where oh. this actually takes place. Wonderful. Well, anywho, he's a... Uh... <laughs> How am I supposed to go back? <laughs> How are you noticing things like his body's turned around, but you're like, and it's in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> It's the music, man. I'm telling you, it's the music. I was just like, this sounds like kind of like the, the Roma type like music. I think I've said this to you once off air, but I'm going to say it on air now. There is a, a famous phrase that people say in order to say, like, keep your expectations simple when you're investigating things that say, if you hear hooves, think horses, not zebras. But you're like... <laughs> I think, I think that I it's probably a zebra who lives in Italy. <laughs> Where people are like, what? What do you mean? And you're like, I mean, that's just what I'm guessing. 
call it a hunch, you know. <laughs> First of all, Zabers don't live in Italy. Second of all, <laughs> you're like maybe they do now. I don't know why they're there. We'll probably find out during the course of this. <laughs> they migrated. There's some migrated zebra. Anyways, back into the movie, where the old guy's looking more and more ghastly in his face, which is all pockmarked and uh, pockmarked and gaunt. And then he continues in the letter, "Hope you're willing to see me, regardless of my appearance." And that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> That's okay. She doesn't. Oh wait, no, she does. My bad. Oh yeah, no, she catches him and not his glory later. But right. Anyways, we see a watchman walking through the factory at night, and the old guy's hiding behind a beam. And he takes the elevator upstairs to go see the sick guy, but the little girl followed him. He's like, "I told you not to come." But she has the chronos. He's like, "Put that thing away. We could die." And then she smiles like Thanos at the end of the first Avengers when he says that. Yeah, she's a creepy little girl. Yeah, kind of. She's starting to really like this. I believe that her grandfather has traumatized her in all of his, you know, undeadness. So they head upstairs and he sends the little girl in through the food hole into the sick guy's room. And then she opens the door, buzzing him in. And the room is all dark. <laughs> the room is all dark except for the x-rays which are all hanging illuminated the old guy's poking around looking for the chronos instruction manual the sick guy's sleeping behind some sheets hung up covering his old his uh, bed and the little girl starts digging through a drawer next to the bed but uh, the sick guy is stirring behind there and the old guy looks pretty much fucking blue at this point <laughs> he's blue amadibo a guy yeah yeah so the little girl, f- <laughs> I don't know what the rest of that. I mean, you know, you know, the old Vinny too would put the real musical drop in there and then I'd have to yell later. Who knows? Maybe new Vinny's feeling froggy. It is my birthday two months later. <laughs> yes, it was your birthday two months ago. So, <laughs> the girl found the book in uh in the uh desk there and she takes it out and the old guy starts reading it and i hope you can read backwards in latin dude yeah but the sick guy springs out of nowhere being like holy shit the machine works look at you and he's like anyways the pages you're looking for are gone because i ate them <laughs> i hope he knows what the fuck those directions were then after he ate them yeah I mean, like, he probably memorized them. And the old guy's like, fuck you, my skin's rotting. And the sick guy's like, just peel that shit off. <laughs> he well, just he... starts ripping the old guy's skin off of his face. The The conversation between these two old dudes was uh, both in Spanish. Until eventually the old sick guy switches it up to, like, English and just tells him to rip, like, rip his skin off. Which was kind of a cool choice. Yeah. So then he rips off some for him, and underneath his rotting flesh is an extremely pale, like, white skin that's uh, pretty unnatural looking. And <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I don't think it looks much better than the rotting skin. Probably worse. Like, way the worse. The old guy checks himself out in the mirror, and he's like, what's this now? And the sick guy's like, oh, yeah, you've been reborn. 
And then while he says that, he secretly buzzes uh, Ron Perlman in. The old guy's like, just give it to me straight about this new skin. The old guy's like, listen, if you're not going to tell me, I'm just going to bust up the Kronos. And the sick guy's like, well, then you'll die with it. And you'll ruin your eternity. The old guy's like, I don't want eternity. I just want a way out. The sick guy's like, oh, yeah, no, I can help you with that if you give me the machine. And then he whispers to his cane. <laughs> he whispers to his sexily while he he pulls out basically a knife from it. Because all menacing canes in these movies are basically hidden knives. Pretty much. <laughs> the old guy holds out the Kronos, but he's like, first, give me my way out. And he really didn't think this went through because the sick guy's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And he stabs him a couple of times. <laughs> The old guy collapses dramatically into the plastic-covered statues. Jake, he totally jaffarred him. Yeah, he did. (laughs) And then the sick guy's like, you don't even bleed right. Then he goes to stab him in the heart. But the little girl's waiting, and she whacks him in the head with his IV stand. Yeah. The old guy's like, oh, shit, I think you killed him. (laughs) So as Perlman's trying to come upstairs, he notices the elevator's already up there. So he tries to get a hold of his uncle on his walkie-talkie, but no response. The old guy's like, let's get out of here. You're too young for a murder rap. <laughs> so the, the sick guy's bleeding all over the floor, and the old guy's like, well, let's hold on a second here, though, because I need a piece of this. So he gets down, he starts licking it off the sick guy's face, the blood. He starts munching on his head. Yeah, and... Although I'm calling them sick guy and dead guy, in a way, kind of both of them are dead guys now. <laughs> well, there's one reborn dead guy and real dead dead guy. That's true. Yeah, no, there are key differences. Uh, the little girl is sort of watching impassively as her grandfather does this, and then they hear the elevator. And then Perlman comes in, and he finds a dead body. And then he says, Merry Christmas! <laughs> and he shouts it a few times. Yeah, he's, like, very <laughs> excited and celebrating. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, hot damn, I'm getting that inheritance. But, uh-oh, sick dead guy is not actually dead. Yeah. He asks his, uh, his nephew for help. Perlman says, oh, no thank you. <laughs> then he steps on his neck, snapping again. <laughs> and the old guy comes out of nowhere, and he blasts Ron Perlman with the IV stand, breaking his nose. Then he busts open a window, and him and the girl head outside. And Perlman's like, all right, I'll just kill you again, I guess. <laughs> so Perlman climbs out on the root after, roof after them, and he's got sort of a metal pipe in his hand. And the old guy and the girl start climbing the neon sign on the roof. Perlman comes up to them holding the, the uh, pipe behind his neck like, come on, man. The old guy clenches his fist like the Arthur meme because he's ready to fight now. Good Paul. <laughs> and <laughs> Perlman advances, and he gets right next to him. Then he whacks him with the pipe a few times. The old guy falls to his knees as Perlman hits him over and over again. And they're framed in the middle of the uh, the Delta Guardia sign, which I thought was a nice shot. And then the old guy's crawling around as Perlman tells the girl to come here. The old guy's like, I've had enough. And he stands up and laughs and he says, you have more to lose. It's just paid for me. And Perlman's like, well, yeah, okay, here comes some more pain, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I like the way he delivered the lie, too. <laughs> So, yeah, that's pretty good. But then the old guy grabs him, and he throws both of their asses off of the top of the building. His badass. Crutches Perlman. So Perlman is dead now, and old guy is still dead, 
but less dead than Pearlman. <laughs> so a little girl goes down with her bear to stroke her grandfather's increasingly grotesque face, and she puts the chronos on him. It cuts to the bug inside looking all swollen and gross. And he springs back to life, but honestly, there's only so much this fucking beetle can do. <laughs> so he stands up with like a broken glass kind of clinking off of him. He looks at all the shards and holes in his body. And then he reaches into his chest and starts pulling his skin off. He holds the skin flap up to his granddaughter like, hey, check this out. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know I could do that. But bad news, she's bleeding slightly, and he looks at her like he's so very hungry. <laughs> but, but granddaughter, Grandpapa is so hungry. <laughs> so, <laughs> I must feast upon you. He reaches out to her slowly, and she says sadly, grandfather, although she actually says abuelo. And he wrenches himself back, sadly screaming, No! And then he rips the Kronos out of his chest and he smashes it with a rock. And well, before he does it, he rips it out, he puts it down, and as he's about to smash the, the Kronos, one little like leg comes up, almost like it's trying to protect itself before he smashes it. I saw that too! Yeah. It looked like it was like blocking its face! Yeah, like, not the face! He was like, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a good touch yeah so he smashes up the chronos and now he's like sort of a mix of like white and black skin and blood and then he immediately feels a tremendous amount of pain and collapses and there's blood coming out of the chronos underneath the rock and he tells the chronos his name and then he repeats it he laughs and he repeats it again <laughs> now <laughs> i thought it would be funny to explain that just as it happened. Because it was a weird little bit of acting. Where it's like, my name is Jesus Grease. And then he's like, Jesus Grease. Ha 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 ha. Jesus Grease. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut to him breathing slow in his new white skin in a bed somewhere. And the granddaughter comes and hugs him as he dies. And the grandmother's there too. Goodbye, my sweet ghoul husband. <laughs> she kisses his hand. And that's the end of the fucking movie. So yeah, Vinny, yeah, it was a, uh, that's a pretty fast movie. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. We get in and out on these. Uh, all right. Well, I selected the movie this week, so it's on me to ask you the eternal question, Vinny. Did I scare you? No, you didn't scare me at all. Hmm. I was also not scared by this movie, although I don't like the stuff with that thing poking into his body. Like I don't like that. Uh, I'm mean, like yeah, his skin flap. That was gross. I mean, like for some reason, like mutilation, like that doesn't really. It, that didn't freak me out nearly as much. Seeing as that I've watched, you know, Hellraiser, and that's like, that's mutilation to like the fucking like max. <laughs> yes, I don't want to say too much about that because I don't want to tempt you. Anyways. Uh, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was okay. I honestly, like, throughout the movie, I was just like, is this a horror movie? I I mean, like, there was, like, slight moments where I was like, okay, it's kind of making a turn. In fact, when he was licking the blood off the bathroom, I was like, oh, man, this is taking, like, a Jeff Goldblum the fly turn. Like, he's, like, slowly becoming, like, something. And then, like, 
then he dies and then he comes back and it's just kind of goofy like i don't know it's not as like ghoulish i mean he looks fucked up but it's not like i don't know i don't love it but i liked it enough and it sort of reminded me of like a stephen king short story especially because it's like in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Needful Things meets Tommy Knockers, if you think about it, because it's like, it's an old antique shop, and it's also like a weird machine that corrupts the people that uses it. But, um, yeah, there's not a lot that happens. Like, I like all the characters. I'm sort of interested in what's happening with them. But not much. They don't do much with, with it when he becomes the actual ghoul. It's just, right. It slows down. Like, I feel like the movie just kind of slows down a little bit because it's like, all right, he's a ghoul, but he's not doing ghoulish shit. Like, he just goes back to, like, his granddaughter, like, basically makes him a bed in the toy chest, and then he writes a note and, you know, gets permanent marker all on his tongue. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't do a thing where it's like, I, I don't know, I guess you would expect him to sort of, like, maybe find a dead body somewhere and then like not be satisfied with that. And like he kills someone, but like maybe they're not a good person. So like you sort of forgive it at first and then like it sort of escalates, but I don't know, maybe it's my fault for like trying to put it within that framework. And like the fact that it doesn't fit so neatly into his story doesn't necessarily inherently make it bad, but yeah, like I said, it's not terrible. But again, I, I hesitate to put it in the category of horror itself. I consider it more as a thriller. I mean, even it's with defi- the- it's definitely a horror movie. He's a vampire thing. I, yeah, I mean, it's unambiguously a horror movie. In the same way, it's unambiguously set in Mexico and not in Italy. You sure? Yeah, no, I'm quite positive. Just like you were sure that those were beetles and not Italian roaches. They're scarabs. <laughs> um, another note that I had was uh, all about, like, immortality. I thought that they were... The thing is, with, when it comes to, like, alchemy and all of that shit, it's usually, like, there's a price to pay amongst like you know what i mean where it's like alchemy usually is you don't create something without having to at least sacrifice something else so, well, well i thought they they played into that with like obviously he can live forever but like as a vampire right feeding on blood no i thought he has to feed the uh the the beetle inside blood too it's like no no, no gimme right no i thought that was great what i'm saying is just i don't know man would you ever do that? Would you ever sacrifice yourself to that kind of shit? Would I drink blood in order to live forever? No, man, I'm good. <laughs> it's like I have a hard time following these movies every time with immortality, where it's just like, no, thank you. I would well, never do that. Where I'm like, man, you know, if I died, like, it would be sad, but also, like, man, there's a lot of stuff that I don't want to do that I wouldn't have to do anymore. Right. Well, that's just why I thought it was funny that Ron Perlman, like, chuckled. When he's like, that old fuck wants to live longer. All he does is just piss and shit himself all day. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'd want to fucking die, too. Yeah. But anyways, uh, let's get into our other segments. Vinny, if you were any character in this movie, who would you be? That's a tough one. There's not a lot of characters in this movie. 
that always makes it a little tougher, but I guess true. I guess I, I'm the shifty dude that went into the store and is like, it's more or less like, I feel, I feel like I could be like that sometimes. I'm not trying to be shifty, but then sometimes I've had a couple of moments in my life where I've gone into stores and people have looked at me as like, what's this guy doing here? And it's like, fuck off. I'm, I'm just trying to shut. All right, I'm getting out of here. You know what? I'm I'm done. I'm out. Like I know what he he was doing in there, but I mean the the whole attitude, you know. All right, that seems fair enough. Now I will select the person that I am. Yeah, you're fucked. It's easy enough to select because I am clearly, I guess in a lot of ways I feel Ron Perlman esque, <laughs> where I feel like I'm often tasked with things that I don't want to do. I don't necessarily understand. Are you waiting also, for an inheritance, too? I'm just waiting for the person, like, issuing these instructions to die because I think they're stupid and wasting my time in theirs. Who the fuck is wasting your time? Who are you waiting, who are you waiting for to die? Uh, there's, like, any number of people in my life that, like, you is know, it, so sorry for their families, but, like, it would be a lot easier for me going forward. I think it's me. No, not you. Send help. Don't send help. <laughs> uh, all right, Vin. What's uh, your gifable moment from this movie? Um, I know mine. We just talked about it. It's that fucking beetle holding up its claw to be like, "Don't smash me, bro." <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like the grandfather kind of looking like he had his O face on when he's slipping down the stairs after he put the Cronus in. That's a good one, too. <laughs> like, that's he was just kind of sliding down the stairs, like, oh, that's good stuff. Him lapping the blood off the floor. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. You can use that in a few things, where it's just like, or someone's just like, ew, you went into that bathroom, it's pretty unsanitary, and you send that gift. Maybe Rob Perlman stuffing his uh, gum wrapper the corpses in the corpses suit jacket would be a good one too i think that's a good non sequitur one that's not bad all right well Vinny, it's your turn to select the movie for next time and you've promised me that it's going to be something quality so yes i'm ready to be disappointed now what have you selected all right well since this is supposed to be our last movie for october I figured, you know, I, I didn't want to originally pick these kind of movies right away because I wanted to kind of wait for good moments. But I figured it's the end of October. Let's go out with a fucking bang. Jake, we're going to go on HBO Max and we're going to check out a classic. We're going to check out A Nightmare Bef or bleh, a nightmare on Elm Street. This is the 1980s version? Yes, sir. All right, very good. All right. Yeah. All right, that's not so bad. Yeah. We're going to the roots of what scared me the most when I was young. All right, we're going to watch that Betty Johnny Depp. Let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Oh, you also forgot something. Go ahead and ask me. Do we have any mail? We sure do. No, we don't. No, we do. I promise. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Go ahead. All right, so this actually came in from my coworker. So we already, already kind of glossed over a little bit of it, but he actually emailed in, so. 
Okay. All right, so the, the email is uh, titled, Anywho. Oh. <laughs> he goes, hey, guys. Oh, this is uh, from my buddy Alex. He says, hey, guys. I'm a big fan and longtime listener. I was listening to the color out of space. Not, that doesn't sound right. Still doesn't sound right. I don't know. Yeah, something about it. Yeah. Episode a couple of weeks ago and stumbled upon a drinking game to play along with the show. If you take a drink every time Jake says anywho, you'll be in for a wild night and regretful mornings. <laughs> Perhaps this could lead to some <laughs> beer koozies or uh, bottle openers in the merch store. I'd be willing to split profits 50-50. Love the show. Keep rocking, Alex. Just just a can and bloody letters. Anywho. I don't... I'm reluctant to discuss this any further because I feel like this just invites people to, like, pick out more of my annoying vocal tics. That's okay. Of which I assume there's many. I, I thought about this because, like, I, I didn't want you to have just all the fun yourself. So how about any time that I get off on a wild tangent about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie whatsoever, finish your drink. That's difficult to say because sometimes you start off on topic and then you veer off wildly. Yeah, beware. <laughs> I just <laughs> I think you should all beware. You're going to probably get alcohol poisoning from listening to us on this drinking game, so. Well, anywho. Jake, that let me tell you, you about Alex. <laughs> Jake, let me tell you about this time where I, I found a roach actually at this donut shop that I used to work no. at. It was an Italian roach. You know how I could tell. He, he was brandishing a mustache. <laughs> and on his way out from underneath the oven, he screamed out, Bobbity Boopy. Okay, well, as this is happening, I'm watching a beetle crawl around my living room, and, like, I don't know what statue he just came out of, so... <laughs> Alright, so we should probably get out of here, then. Yeah, Vinny, do you want to tell the folks where they could reach us if they would like to send us an email? And a thank you to Alex for uh, reaching out to us, even if it's pointing out uh, <laughs> something so incredibly embarrassing to me, personally. <laughs> Aw, oh, come on. It's all for fun. All right, so if you want to follow us, you could do so at our platforms. How about on Twitter? You can follow us at D-I-S-Y-Pod. On Instagram, it's Did I Scare You Pod. And if you want to email us and reach out like Alex did and Cody has in the past, fuck Valerian, you can <laughs> email us at D-I-S-Y-Pod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-Y-Pod at gmail.com. All right, and make sure if you want to watch along with us this week, check out Nightmare on Elm Street on you HBO almost, Max. You almost said it just like me. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hard. They're close. But, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. So you have been listening to Did I Scare You? And I have been your host, Jake Albrecht. And I am his co-host and little brother, Vin. Okay, and uh, hey, thanks for the ride, lady. Yes, so
Thank you.